Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and joining me today... To continue our countdown of the 20 best players on the Georgia football team entering the 2021 season is my co-host Curtis. Our podcast is brought to you by the good folks at Alumni Hall. Guys, fall camp starts in two days. Let me repeat that. Fall camp starts in two days. There are only three more Saturdays without college football. Let that sink in, guys. Let that sink in for a minute. I mean, for all practical purposes, college football season is here, which means it's time to gear up for the 2021 season. And guys, I mean it. I do. I really mean this when I tell you there is no better place to do that than at Alumni Hall in the Epps Bridge Shopping Center in Athens or online at alumnihall.com. I can tell you that with confidence because I myself have been a very long time loyal patron of Alumni Hall. And as a connoisseur of Georgia gear that has tried just about every option out there, I can tell you firsthand that Alumni Hall is hands down, unquestionably, the best of the best when it comes to Georgia gear. They have the best selection of brands and styles. They have gear that no one else has. They even offer a 10% discount for Georgia students and our veterans. And they also have a Hall Pass Rewards program in which you can earn credit towards future purchases and also be on the lookout for the awesome flash sales they offer usually a couple of times every month. Personally, I crush those flash sales. I look for those every single week. New arrivals are coming in hot, so get your 2021 game day gear now before it's gone at alumnihall.com or in person at the Alumni Hall store in the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in good old Athens, GA. And we also have a couple more quick shout outs to throw out there today. Big thank you to Polly, Joe Bally, Memphis Reigns 35, Nate Hill 793, and I think this is just an automated username, WGH, off to infinity. But to all you guys, thank you very much for being the latest listeners to give us those five-star ratings and reviews. Thank you to everyone who has been kind enough to help us out with that. Uh, By the way, we're all the way up to 285 five-star ratings on on Apple Podcasts, guys. We are moving closer and closer to that goal of 300 five-star ratings and reviews by the time the season kicks off on September 4th. We really do appreciate that. It really is, guys. It's going a long, long way in helping us secure the future of this podcast. And if you haven't had a chance to rate and review yet, no worries. I know, guys. Trust me. I know. Life is crazy. My life during college football season, I love it. I live college football season, but I'm just constantly going 100 miles an hour all over the place. So I get that. But if you get a chance, it would be greatly appreciated if you would help us out there. And make sure to also follow our new Instagram account at Glory UGA Podcast. 
we are really trying to put some great content on there beyond just the podcast. Maybe show you a little bit of a different side of Charlie, Curtis, and myself. We've also got some really exciting plans for Instagram during the season to help those of you who, who might not be able to make it to all the games get a closer feel for what is going on on location on game days. And, and if we get to 500 followers on Instagram, we will do an Instagram Live where we will interact directly with all of you. But uh, all right, guys, let's talk some football. A couple of weeks ago, Curtis and I started our countdown of the top 20 players on the 2021 Georgia football team entering the coming season. We, uh, we started with players 15 through 20, which were Darnell Washington, number 20, Kyrus Jackson, number 19, Nolan Smith at number 18, Trayvon Walker at number 17, and Darion Kendrick at number 16. And the idea initially was to do five players at a time, do like, you know, four different episodes, right? But the reality is we are just running out of time. We have a lot of episodes to get to, a lot of content that we want to fit into this last month before the season kicks off. So we're having to make some tough decisions, and that means we're calling an audible today as we will be revealing players 6 through 15 instead of just players 11 through 15. Uh, You guys are bound to agree with some of these, and you're bound to disagree with some of them. Heck, Curtis and I don't even agree on all these players. It's, it's kind of just the way these things go, and that's cool. We like that. We like the discussion. So let us know on Twitter. Let us know on Instagram what we got right, what we got wrong. We love that interaction. Uh, Curtis and I, well, for those of you who didn't hear the first episode, we both put together our individual list, and then we kind of combined them to create one United Glory UGA Top 20 Players list. It was just very basic little formula we use, simple, and uh, we put that together. Uh, there was no set criteria we both just defined best player in our own way. And and we did. I think we ended up coming out a little bit differently in how we gauge best player, as you'll see throughout the episode today. But uh, that was kind of the beauty of this. We wanted to just say, okay, best player, and see how we both kind of define that. But all right, Curtis, we've got a lot of players we're going to try to get to today. So let's go ahead and jump right in, starting with the number 15 player on our list of Georgia's top 20 players entering the 2021 season. Now, we can't spend a ton of time on all these guys today, but Curtis, we got to dedicate some time to the player up first today coming in at number 15, and that is running back Zamir White. Starting running back Zamir White, that is. Now, this is a guy going into his second year as a starter. We all know he's a former five-star, former number one ranked running back coming out of high school. And is a guy who is getting a lot of love as the top returning back in the SEC from multiple preseason publications out there. And here we are as the Georgia podcast, who you think would be in his corner. And we are in his corner. I, I root hard for Zamir. But here we are telling you that we only think he is the 15th best player on the team. And spoiler alert, not the highest ranked running back on the list. And Spoiler alert number two, maybe not even the second highest rated running back on this list. So, Curtis, I'm going to make this simple for you here, man. Why do you hate Zamir White? I mean, I've I've always said it's nothing against him. I think he's an outstanding representative of the university, a young man, everything you want in uh, your starting running back. Just, you know, as you kind of mentioned, I don't believe he's the best running back on our roster I think a lot of it has to do with the fact you know you're talking about the SEC prognosticators and all those things is they really look at who's coming back and yeah he may be the highest returning running back on our roster and most of those people just look at the stats on their face and don't really delve in dive into everything and kind of look at it across the board and see what the real you know the, the fact of the matter is he's not in my opinion not the best running back on our roster and that's kind of why i think that right there is a good fit for him yeah those people who are saying that like hey Zeus is one of the best running backs in the league you're right they're looking at numbers and they they know much as much about our team as like you and I know about like I don't know Mississippi State right like I know the same people they're the same people that say Alabama I think they gave Alabama number one or two running back room in the SEC and a lot of that is based on recruiting rankings and things like that without even you know really understanding who's who if Brian Robinson is your top running back coming coming into the season, you can't have a number one or two running back group in the in, in the league. You just can't. He's not that good. He's he's not that. Now maybe Trey Sanders becomes that maybe, but we haven't seen it from. You're right, exactly. So I don't know how much stock to put into that, but you're right on Zamir. Like, look, I will say this. I've said this before. I love Zamir White. I love the guy. I he's one of my favorite players on this team as a human being, as an individual. I love this guy, and I, and I think he's a really, really, really good player. He is one of the best running backs in the league. 
Do I think he's the best running back in the league? No, I, I don't right now. Not based off what I've seen. I'm hopeful that he can maybe grow into that this year, but there's probably no one that I've can remember in recent years on the Georgia football team who I hope proves me wrong more than Zamir White. I really want to be wrong here. I want Zamir to say, hey, Tyler, shut your face. I'm the best running back in this league. I'm the best running back on this team. I want him to do that. I'm rooting for the guy hard. But being objective based off what I have seen, like you said, Curtis, I can't say that he's the best running back in the league right now. I can't say that he's the best running back on the team right now. We've said that several times throughout the offseason. And the big reason for that for me is I think Zeus, as good as he is, and he is a very good back, I think he leaves too many yards out on the field. Does that make sense, Curtis? Yeah, I do too. There's all those times you're watching, you're like, there's a lane right there. Even if it's two or three extra yards, sometimes that's the difference in a third and seven, a third and five, or a third and one, third and two. It's, sure. I just think there's so many. It's not always the big take home, home run play, which you're talking about, just the little yards that add up. Yeah, it's those plays. But I think he also has left too many potential big plays out there that, that weren't made that should have been made. If he had oh, yeah. I mean, I agree with that 100%. I don't think his vision – sometimes he's like a, a Brendan Douglas, you know, seeking out contact instead of going yeah. where it's open. Yeah, I, and, and that's and that's what it comes down to for me. And, look, again, Zeus did some really good things last year. He's had some really good runs. He runs tough, man. He runs hard, and I love that. I love running back that will put his shoulder down, stick his head in there, and just – grind out yards I love that but you've got to be able to pair that with vision and I don't think that he sees the field he's based off what I've seen the past years I don't think he sees the field as well as some of our other running backs and if you do not see the field from that position it just doesn't really matter how physically talented you are because you're gonna leave too many yards out there in the field too many big play opportunities are going to be left out there in the field and we needed some of those last year, especially some of the issues that we had at quarterback. We needed as many explosive run plays as we could possibly get. And to his credit, he had a couple of them. I think he got better at that as the season went on. I think his vision did improve the more carries he got. We've got to remember, it's the guy who was coming off those, those knee injuries, back-to-back knee injuries, and didn't have a lot of reps for a couple of years there. So I think there was some rust there. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe that rust is wearing off. And now that vision will improve. And I will be totally wrong here. And that's totally awesome. I'm rooting for that to happen. But again, if I'm being objective, I just think too many plays, too many yards were left after on the field for me to say that he's the best running back in the league or the best running back in the team and, that, and have him any higher than where we have him here at number 15. All right, um, this next guy, let's move on here. At number 14, I think this is a guy that you can make an argument for as being much higher on this list. He's a guy that doesn't get a ton of love. When talking about the Georgia defense, I think a big part of that is based on the position that he plays. But I think it's a shame. And coming in at number 14 is defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt. Curtis, Devontae, I think, is a really important piece to our defensive success. I'm just going to ask you, how important do you think he is to what we do defensively? I think it's extremely important. You know, we all know about the importance of Jordan Davis and everything he does as a run stopper. But the fact of the matter is he's not the only one out there that makes those plays. Um, Devontae Wyatt does it all, and I think not only in the run game, but also in the passing game, he brings up some pressure and things that you know we hadn't always had, especially from his position. He was someone that could have gone pro now. He may not have been a high draft pick because, like you said, he doesn't get all the publicity and things, but I don't think his importance to the Georgia defensive line and defense as a whole can be understated. or it can, It's just not – It can't. you can't forget about it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I – Look, we know that Jordan Davis is kind of the centerpiece of this entire defense. No one's saying it's not. There's a reason we haven't talked about Jordan Davis on this list because he's way higher on this list. Spoiler alert. But Devontae Wyatt, I think like, – coming number 14, it's solid. Um, but I think you can make an argument for him being closer to the top 10. I really do. Uh, I think this is a guy that could potentially – I think coming back is going to really help him. Do you think he's a guy that can move into the close to the first, second round conversation with the big year this year, Kurt? I don't think so just because he's not at a position of – it's just the position he plays. Like, you know, most teams aren't a 4-3, like a Chase Young type person, uh, go, don't play those defenses, and we don't, so he wouldn't be seen like that. Um, but I think he's one of these that – I think the one thing I think about him is I don't think he'll ever have the draft stock that will jump out at you, but I think he's the guy that I wouldn't be shocked to get a second second contract, which is always the most important thing when you're looking at things. I think he's a surefire NFL player. 
I think, look, I'm not an NFL draft guy. You guys know I, I'm a casual NFL fan. I'm a hardcore college fan. Uh, I, I watch NFL, but I don't, I'm not as passionate about it as I am the college game. But I do pay attention, and I think Devontae White's a sure, surefire NFL guy. As far as the draft goes, I don't know if he's a first, second-round guy. Right now, no. However, I think if we as a team have a lot of success this year, and we're on prime time, game after game after game, and we're making the college playoff, and we're winning titles, he's going to get more attention, more eyes are going to be on him, and I think you're going to see – I think more people are going to recognize and be exposed to what Devontae Wyatt does. Now, a lot of people watch football and don't really understand football, so that they don't got to watch, but the people who are making draft choices, I think they, they understand football. They'll see him. He'll get more exposure with those guys. He is a very impressive athlete at that size. He's a 4'8 guy at 315 pounds. He moves extraordinarily well. Now, scheme fit-wise, you're right there pointing that out. I, I don't know exactly how he'll fit in the NFL. He's going to be a 4'3 guy. A three, a, what scheme he gets in, I don't know. That's for the NFL guys, the personal guys to figure out. But it, I'll say this. It wouldn't shock me if he moved up in the, in the second round, maybe late first-round conversation. I don't know if I see him as a first-round guy, but I think he his stock will rise. I'll say that. And you mentioned it, Kurt. One thing I love about Devontae Wyatt is I think he gives us some interior pass rush that we just haven't really had. Him along with Jalen Carter give us some really good interior pass rush, and that's so important for a defense because quarterbacks are used to having pressure from the edges. That's usually where most of the pressure comes from. They can they can slide in the pocket, move up, you know, all those kind of things. But quarterbacks, what they really struggle with is when they have pressure straight in their face. They don't know what to do with that. That's what really flusters quarterbacks. And Devontae Wyatt gives us that in a way that we haven't really had under Kirby Smart through his first five or six years, years here as the head coach of Georgia. I also love his versatility. He can play the three-tech, which is kind of the natural spot for him. That's where he starts. He can, but he can also play the nose in certain packages. He can even slide out and play the five in certain packages as well. He's got that versatility because he's an athletic guy. And the big thing that I think that Devontae Wyatt really does for us is he makes teams pay for doubling Jordan Davis because we know Jordan's going to command that kind of attention, as he should. But it's really hard to do that, to double Jordan, when Devontae Wyatt can wreak havoc in his own right on the interior next to Jordan Davis. So I think that the, that's something that you can't really discount when you're looking at the impact that Devontae Wyatt has on this team. And I think his him along with Jordan Davis being kind of the strength of that defensive line, again, that opens the door for us to be more sound against the pass as we've talked about throughout this offseason. So I think Devontae Wyatt is a critical piece to our entire defensive success. He's coming in number 14 on our list, but you could certainly make an argument that he should be higher. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, next up at number 13 is a guy who has actually never been a starter coming into his senior season. Some people might say, like, we might have undersold Devontae Wyatt. Maybe some people would say we're overselling this next guy's impact. But um, he's never been a starter, never been the guy at his position, and that is James Cook coming at number 13. So, Curtis, you actually had James Cook much higher on your individual list than I did. You had him at number eight on your list. I had him at number 19 on mine. I'm kind of average amount. He ended up at number 13. So how did a guy – and this is there's, this is not a loaded question. But I'm just asking here. How did a guy who has never been a starter in his career going into his senior year, how did he slip inside your top ten? 
I, more than anything, I'm looking at what he brings with his versatility. Uh, that That's where I'm really going to get into it is I think the, you saw he actually was more explosive and did more things when JT took over in the passing game. Because JT, in my opinion, one thing that makes him so good is that he is willing to take that check down to the running back to get a couple yards where it's still almost like a run play and the fact that you're getting three to five yards and not taking a negative play. And I think that's the biggest thing this where it's going to give him a chance to get in space in the passing game more so than he has of where you're trying to only design plays for him to get downfield or running back, you know, uh, hooks and things like that, where you saw against Alabama where he made the big play. But I think just in general, getting the ball in his hands more will allow us to showcase what he is capable of. Those are all fair points. Let me ask you this follow-up question here. Why James Cook over Zamir White? If if Zeus is the starter, Cook's kind of the, the change of pace, how can we have James Cook higher in our list of the best players? Uh, his versatility. I think the fact that he can be, he can, he's a guy that can be on the field first through third down, no matter what the yardage is. Yeah. That, and I think that's what it comes down to for me. I think that James is just more versatile. I, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, Curtis, but I've said this for a couple of years. I think that James Cook could be a three down back if we asked him to. Do you? I think so too. He runs. See, he's like Keith Marshall, but the big difference between the two is he runs with a lot, lot greater balance. Abs. That's a really, really good comparison there. I think he, yeah, he kind of runs like Keith Marshall, but he does have better balance than Keith. Like did. Keith Marshall could do it all, but he just had terrible balance, and that's what really hurt him from yeah. running between the tackles. Yeah, I, I, I just like people call James like a, a scat back. I'm like, I don't know, man. It's not 1992 anymore. Especially because the last two years he's gotten a lot more muscular. Absolutely. I mean, look at some of these guys that are that are three down backs that are starters every down backs for these teams across the country. I mean, they're no bigger than James Cook. Some of them are smaller than James Cook. I got this idea that James can't be a three down back here with the Tigers. I think that's really, really oversold. I think he could be a three down back if we asked him to. I think the issue is. For him is that we have other guys that just do a better job of that than him, maybe. But he could do it if we if we needed him to. We just we we are just blessed with this kind of like overabundance of talent at that position. But I do think you're right in just saying that he's more versatile. I don't think he is as powerful or tough of a runner as Zeus, but I think he's plenty tough enough. When it comes down to it, for me with James Cook, I just think that James can make plays in more ways than Zamir White. Is that a, a fair way to say it? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I just, I just think he can make more plays, more of an all-around playmaker than Zamir White. And to me, that's why I have him higher in this list. And now, we haven't utilized him to the degree I think we need to utilize him in the past. We started to see more of that. You're right, Curtis, as, as the season wore on last year and JT Daniels became more of the part of the uh, – became the starter on offense. But his first couple of years, we just couldn't figure out how to get this guy involved in the offense in any kind of consistent way. I think you started to see towards the end of last year that we are – going to find ways to get this guy involved he's just too much of a playmaker for us to waste what he brings to the table and you've just seen one of the there's so many advancements that have been made over the past couple of years offensively this kind of offensive evolution in college football and one of them has been getting the running back involved in the passing not just as check down guys but just getting them involved in the, in the passing with these rail routes kind of those wheel routes right we know all about that from the four game last year james can do all of that and do that about as well if not better than anyone else in the country from that position we just got to find ways to get him the ball and have more of a will uh, and be more deliberate in actually finding uh, and finding opportunities for him to make those plays that I know that he can make. He's shown that he can make. All right, moving on here. Uh, let's go on to number 12. And number 12 on our list is wide receiver Jermaine Burton. Now, as we all know, he was a day one starter last year in a COVID year, did some really good things. Uh, he was also certainly lost at times, especially early in the season. But he also did some very good things like, oh, I don't know, almost breaking our single game receiving record against Mississippi State. And going into the season without George Pickens, we are certainly in need of someone to step up and be that number one wide receiver. So, Curtis, how much confidence do you have in Burton to step up, be that guy, fill George Pickens' void, be that number one alpha wide receiver? How confident are you? I'm actually pretty confident in his ability. Like, I could actually see – if we were ranking players at the end of the year, him easily being in the top 10 um, of I can, our I can certainly like see that, that, yeah. That's how much I believe in his skill set. And especially, we got to think, he did all of this last year in a COVID year where he, I don't believe he was an early enrollee. And even if he was, he didn't get spring practice. It didn't matter if he, he was, yeah. Fall. 
yeah, you didn't get a summer practice or, uh, you know, much as much summer, even time in the weight room as you would have liked all these things. And yet he still was getting better. That's the thing. He was getting better and better every game. Yeah, I, I think that Burton absolutely has the potential to be a number one guy for us. I really, I really, truly do believe that. If you watch the Mississippi State game, you know what I'm talking about. And he showed flashes in other games as well. But he he was just, I mean, you could tell. Like, he, he had those big eyes sometimes last year. Like, he was like, I don't know what's going on, man. I just don't know what's going on in the system. And that's understandable considering the circumstances of last year. Certainly not going to hold that against him. I think he has that potential. I also think a couple other guys in that room have that potential as well. I think that Marcus Rosemey Jackson can be that guy. I think Gilbert can be that guy. I think A.D. Mitchell, potentially, maybe not this year, but I think he can be that guy. But I think Burton's probably odds-on favor to end up being that number one guy coming to the year based on the fact that he was a day-one starter last year as a true freshman. Now he has spring under his belt. Now I know he was hurt through a big portion of the spring, but the fact is he's more comfortable in the system. He has those reps. And I think he's a guy that has some versatility as well. They can play – he can play – he played Z last year. He can play X this year. He can also slide and play the slot if we need him to. I think he can do a lot of the different things for us. I think he's a, an outstanding route runner, has very good speed. Maybe not elite home run speed, but he's got plenty good enough speed. Good, strong hands, can win the top of the route. All those things you want receivers to be able to do. I think Jermaine Burton can do all of those things. I'm extremely high on him, and I think this year he might have a breakout season. I, I really believe that. I think, he'd be, I think he's going to be our number one guy, especially during the season. We'll see what happens. Eric Gilbert kind of learning the system more and more. Uh, might take him a couple of weeks. Uh, Rosemary Jack saying I'm really high on him, but coming off the injury, you just don't know. Arian Smith, you know, we'll see what happens there. We've got to see more from him. But I think Burton's probably the safest bet right now to be that guy. Okay, moving on to number 11. The next one on our list is one that might surprise some people. But coming in at number 11, just outside the top 10, is inside linebacker Quay Walker. I've talked about Quay quite a bit this offseason, guys. You know I am really high on Quay Walker and his ability. But, Curtis, what does Quay bring to the table that has him knocking on the door of our top 10 players? I mean, just his pure athletic ability. I mean, he plays very similar to what you see in Kobe Dean, but he's actually a bigger body. Uh, he just didn't have it up top, you know, in, the, in his head and play recognition, all those things that's kept him off the field. Um, but he's just like, you saw it in the spring game. If he can continue to build off what you saw in the spring, we have a deadly one, two combo in the Kobe Dean and Quay Walker. I mean, that guy was making plays left and right in the spring game. I was very, very like, I was shocked because, well, first off he changed his number. So I'm number seven. Here, Who is that yeah, guy? Right. I'm sitting here thinking, I was like, I know we got rid of Ty, Tyreek Stevens or Tyreek Stevenson left. Not that we got rid of him, but that he left. And we're not asking this guy to cover him, and he's not being burned by wide receivers. So I was very confused as to who he was. Didn't he kind of look like Lorenzo Carter out there? He, close to it. I mean, he really it, did. The way he was in the middle of making all his plays, like you're like, okay, this it seems like the light has finally gone off in this guy's head. I told you guys. So when you sign, it's gonna take him a couple of years to figure that figure it out because he didn't really play inside linebacker in high school. He's more of an edge guy, played out in space. But once he figured it out, I mean, he is an incredibly gifted player from a physical standpoint. I mean, the athleticism is off the charts. For still, he's off the charts. Let me ask you this, Curtis. Kobe Dean, who we haven't gotten to yet, uh, Kobe Dean, Quay Walker, as you're starting two at inside linebacker, you taking them or Christian Harris and Henry Toa Toa from Alabama? Ooh, I, I'd probably still take the Bama guys at this point just because both of them have done it to where we know Quay can do it, but like I said, can he carry it over from what we saw in the spring into the fall where those two have done it on a Saturday? They have been – they're more proven. I, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I think by the end of the year – I think if I ask you the same question this year, your answer might be different. It could very well be different. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm going yeah. with them because it's proven, but like you said, it could be very different come this time next year. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's season. a fair way to look at it. Quay's a freak, guys. Quay Walker is a freak athlete. I, I'm so excited we got him, man. I know that he threw the Tennessee hat. Which I, I still don't know how I feel about that, but hey, you know what? He's, he's one of our guys. Uh, I, man, I know – okay, obviously, another spoiler alert. Nicobe Dean is going to be higher in this list. We haven't gotten him yet. Quay's our first inside linebacker. Like, is there a world where Quay Walker might end up being the better of those two players? I actually thought that's where your first question was going to go. And yes, there is a world just because he's a bigger bodied guy. He can mm -hmm. sometimes eat those blocks up and do some of those things where mm -hmm. you see Nicobe get lost because of his size. Mm -hmm. Nicobe is more experienced. Like, I mean, well, yeah, I know he's a year younger, but he's got he's played more, I think, more consistently. He got more starting reps as a freshman. Yeah. 
then. Yeah, he where did. Where Quay um, was really only coming in for pass rush. Yeah, absolutely. And he's more polished to that position right now. But Quay's ceiling, I, I, I will flat out say, I think Quay Walker's ceiling, if the light ever fully goes on for him at that position, his ceiling is higher than Nicobe Dean's because he's just physically more gifted. It's that simple. Now, will he get to that ceiling? I don't know. Will he maximize his potential to the way that Nicobe can? I, I don't know that. But if he does, he's going to end up being a better player than Nicobe Dean. I just, you just don't know if he's going to do that. But it, it could happen as early as this year. It really could. I, I don't know that. And that's why I didn't have him higher than a Kobe Dean on my, on my list because he hasn't done that yet. But the potential for that to happen is certainly there. And I am, man, Quay Walker, like to me, Quay Walker has all SEC for, I, I think he has first round NFL draft pick potential. Is that crazy? No, I believe it 100%. I mean, he's, he's more of a fit for the NFL once that position than what Nicobe Dean is. He just is. Yeah, he's and, he's like Roquan, but a little bit. I mean, not Roquan's esque. But, I mean, he or he's not Roquan, but he's Roquan esque, but with the size he, he doesn't have. Yeah, and the versatility he brings to the table as well. This is a guy that again, high school is essentially an edge player, and he is a. I mean, Jacoby's a good blitzer as well. I think Quay's the best blitzer of our line. Well, him, I, I think Chain Tindall's an underrated blitzer as well. But Quay does a better job. Like actually, as a legitimate like pass rusher off the edge in certain situations, he, we can do a lot of things with him. In our third down package, he's just a very versatile player. And I think that's going to really help him out when it comes to NFL draft time next year. So really high on Quay Walker. I know he's just outside of our top 10, but he's another guy that, like, I will say this. I think at the end of this year, when we're redoing this list, like who are our postseason top 20 players, not the preseason top 20, I think Quay Walker will firmly be inside the top 10. I, I, I feel confident saying that. But all right, let, speaking of the top 10, let's actually move inside the top 10. And next up, we have a player that, Curtis, you have you have this guy. He's another one that you have ranked far higher on your list than I did on my list. You actually had him 11 spots higher on your list than I did on mine. Uh, he was inside your top 10, but he was barely inside my top 20. So I'm just going to ask you to make the case for Lewis Seen as a top 10 player on this team going into the 2020 season. I mean, first off, just look at everything he brings to the table. Um, the head hunting, um, the – I mean, I think the one thing that he struggles the most on is coverage. But the one thing that he brings to the table that we haven't actually kind of had in a long time at that position is sure-handed in tackling. Um, I think that that's the one thing that I think is his, his where it makes him extremely valuable is you don't have to truly be afraid of the big play coming, like a big run play, and the fact that he's going to clean it up if it's back there. Going back to the days of J.R. Reed, um, that was my biggest knock on him is he was – well, he started off really well, or that one year, and then, but he just ended up not being a great tackler. And you saw and you some were of those always plays, on like, about and, that. Yeah, and and him too. And that's the fact is he has he has really changed that position. The fact that you don't have to be afraid of anyone blow, you know, taking it eighty yards, any big play from the run game happening. Yeah, and I think yeah. that you can't take that away or that I, that, I like that, that value and the fact of his leadership back there too. Yeah, I like that. I, Lewis is um he is certainly a leader on this defense, and he, you're right. He's a he's the surest tackler we've had that position in a couple of years at, at the very least. I, I will give you that. He's very good at run support. Um, he does a really good job with his recognition with his play recognition, whether it's run or pass. He I, he's not the greatest athlete out there, maybe not the fastest guy, but he does a really good job closing on runners from depth, which is what safeties need to be able to do. He's a very good run defender. He really is. There's a good job there. He's a guy that the coaches clearly trust to know what to do and to not bust, which is probably number one on Kirby's list of like, who's going to play? Like, do I trust this guy? That's the first question to ask. And he trusts Lewis as I think he should. He's a really good player. And I don't have a problem with him being inside the top 10. He is a good player. I did have him closer to like in the 20, like I think I had him like number 17 or so on my list. I think you had him at like eight or nine on yours. I'll have to go back and check. But my my hold up with Lewis is you as you mentioned there are some coverage deficiencies there. Now that's true. My, only, res my only response to that is right now, no one in our secondary has any coverage ability to truly like say that they, you know what I'm saying? Like across sure. the board, that's a whole problem. So there's not one second person in secondary that you could actually truly rank higher based just on that. And taking and so since that we don't have anyone in the secondary to separate themselves in that thing, I was really looking at, all right, who are our top guys on defense and who are our top guys on offense? And I kind of then separated them from there. 
Yeah, and, and doing rankings like it's totally an, an an individual thing. People can do it in different ways. I'm, I'm not killing you at all. I just I just think um, and you're right. Like I will say this about like safeties almost by definition aren't great coverage guys. They're really not. Like you don't really want your safety matched up on a on a top receiver. If you're okay if your safety's matched up on a running back or a tight end because you you should win most of those matchups. But you're not going to feel super comfortable putting a safety on like a Devontae Smith or something. That, that's what you call a mismatch. Those are the kind of matchups that court offense coordinators try to scheme up they want that so I, I know i say lewis has some coverage deficiencies but most safeties do that's why they play safety not cornerback you know so i think that's a fair way to look at it i guess what i'm looking at it here is i think lewis seems a really good player he's a very valuable player for our defense he's a leader in our defense coaches trust him he doesn't make a lot of blown assignments there's not those issues there really good run defender but like i'm looking at a guy like quay walker came at number 11 i think quay is a better player than lewis seen now maybe he had, he's not as experienced as him in a starter for as long as Lewis seen. I just I, maybe for me it's more like potential. It's more of a projection for me. It's kind of how I did it. I think you did it more based on like what they've done in the past, which is a very fair way to do it. So I just like for me, I would have Quay Walker ahead of Lewis seen because I think Quay is going to end up being a better player. But Lewis is really good in his own right. I'm not going to make too much of an argument against him at number ten. Not too much of an argument, just a little bit. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, moving on here. Let's get inside the top 10. Now, this one is going to be controversial. I know as soon as I reveal this name, some of you are you're going to pull out your phone. I can see it now. And you're going to hop on social media and you're just going to start killing us for it. I, and I get that. And that's cool. Embrace debate. We love it, right? But coming in at number nine is running back Kendall Milton, a player who has only played in seven career games, has only rushed 35 times for 195 total yards. So, Curtis, how can you look at numbers like that and the fact that he was number the number three back at best last year and justify having him ahead of both James Cook and Zamir White? Well, first off, I think I did look at it with a little bit of a projection for him. But at the same time, I feel like even though he had so few carries and so few yards, his carries were production. You know, he produced at a good rate with them. Like He had explosive plays when he did get the ball in his hands. And I think if you take away that knee injury against Florida, which really set him back, I think that he was already starting to push for more playing time, as a matter of fact, because he was being way more productive in what he saw in his few, so few carries compared to what you saw with Zeus. Yeah, Kendall Milton, like for me, this, this is clearly, I will admit, one million percent, as you said, a projection. Because – the proven production is not there. Zamir White, proven production, far more than Kendall Milton. James Cook, same thing, far more than Kendall Milton. But I, I, I don't want to speak for you, Curtis. When I did my list, it was more like, okay, who do I think? I, I did this on a talent basis, more or less. Like, who do I think are the actual like, most talented players in this team? And productions, for some of these guys, it, it factored in more than others. But really, I was looking at, okay, from a talent standpoint, based on what I've seen, even, even if I haven't seen that much of you, like I haven't seen that much of Kendall Milton, based on what I've seen, how talented do I think you are? Like, where is your ceiling? That's kind of how I approach this. Other people might approach it differently, and that's cool. If someone wants to put Zeus ahead of Kendall Milton, I get it. Production, from that standpoint, I get it. That's just not how I approach this myself. Who, who do I think is ultimately going to be the better player? So I think Kendall Milton, as you were saying, Curtis, I think he's the total package. I think him and, and Kenny McIntosh as well. I think those guys can do – everything you want your running backs to be able to do. And we, now we didn't see a ton from Kittle Milton, but what we saw, I saw him be able to catch the ball in the backfield. I saw him run with power. I saw him run with enough speed. I saw him run with vision. I saw him display really good footwork, be able to make some people miss in the hole. All those things that I look for from running back, contact balance. I saw all those things from Kendall Milton. Like it was tantalizing the things that we saw from him. I wanted to see more of Kendall Milton. The problem was we just had too many backs to get the ball to get the ball to, and had an embarrassment of riches there. But 
when Kendall Milton's career is over in Athens, I think he will end up proving to be a better running back than Zamir White and a better running back than James Cook. I just think he's a he's a total package back there. So I think even though he might not be the number one guy this year, I mean, I would argue I think he maybe should get more carries. I think that he is ultimately going to end up being a better player. I think he's a more talented player than the other two running backs that we've already talked about on this list. Now, and my next question here, Kurt, real quick about Kendall Milton. How much do you think that he, he does eat into the total carries for running backs this year? Oh, I think he will. I think especially, I mean, I think it's unfortunate for Kenny McIntosh, his injury in the Springs has set him back. And I think he's going to be there eating into the carries of Zeus, especially if Zeus isn't producing at a, you know, because the one thing that really killed Zeus I, I think he ended up having a thousand yards last year. I'm not sure, but his yards per carry was not a good number. Because he, left, as I said, he left too many left too many yards out there on the field, man. Well, and, and that's the thing. You look at Kendall Milton. His yards per carry, I think, will be the difference. Like when you start getting into it on a daily basis. Yeah, Zeus was a little short of a thousand, like almost 800 yards last year, in, in a shortened season with nine games. Which you know, and Zeus was going to be 5.4 yards per carry. is good. It's just not like Nick Chubb level. Like when you used to see Nick Chubb like seven and a half yards per carry. Yeah, that kind Nick of um, Swift before our offense just went to hell. Yeah, um, yeah, like all those people, that was never good enough. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Uh, I mean, I, I want to see Kendall get about. I want to see him get 10 carries a game. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think he's that good. I think I think he needs those carries. We'll see. I don't know if it's going to happen in week one, but I, I, I'm very high on Kendall Milton. I really am. All right, coming in number eight is a guy that has gotten a lot of attention with his, his decision to transfer from LSU, and that, of course, is jumbo wide receiver Eric Gilbert. I don't know what to call this guy, Curse Eric, 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 uh, Kirby. So Kirby pronounced it at SEC Media Days, Eric. Then you got JT, and now it's called him Eric. So I don't know what to go with here. I'm just going to say Eric. Uh, I could be totally wrong here. Uh, but well, I guess we'll figure it out as the season goes on. But a lot like Kendall Milton, this ranking is based, admittedly, more, far more on flashes, potential, and talent than it is on proven production. But again, beauty is in the eye of the beholder here. So Curtis, Eric Gilbert missed spring practice. He's switching positions. He's going into a new system. But there is a void at wide receiver with George Pickens going down with an injury. What are your expectations for Gilbert this season? I th- they're pretty high for me, honestly. I believe that. We don't have a skill player with the the whole package as to what you see with Gilbert. It's as simple as that. I mean, the guy is, is he has what – when I look at him, I think someone like Mike Evans. And you saw what Mike Evans is capable of doing. And I think that some, especially someone who's coached on Mike Evans will know how to use Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I think that there's a um, – I, so I think there, he's going to get a lot of opportunities. And the thing is, even though he misses spring, and a lot of people have – you know, I think people are unfairly judging him. Uh, for his whole recruitment because the spring happened with the commitment to Florida and then the grades thing was a uh, topic. But the fact of the matter, especially you heard it from JT, said that, you know, I love the the way he said it was something along the lines of, you know, yes, he was born with a God-given talent, but he's also one of the hardest workers out there. So it makes me encouraged thinking that he can come in and make an immediate impact. Oh, I love to hear that from JT Daniels. You're absolutely right. That was I think it was at Media Days, right? And Because uh, yeah. I've often said, like, there's God-given talent, and that can that can take you a long way. But like greatness comes where you take that physical ability and you match it with that work ethic and that desire, preparation. When you m- kind of mesh those two things together, that's when you get greatness. And if that's true, if that is indeed true of Eric Gilbert, then we might have a great one on our hands. We'll see, but we might. Now, I, I do think it's gonna be tough for him to learn the system in a short amount of time with no spring, with all those guys ahead of him that have been in the system for a while. But you're right, he does bring something to the table physically that they do not. He's just a different kind of guy at that size with that athleticism. I do think he's going to have a hard time overtaking Jermaine Burton at X if we want to keep Jermaine Burton at X because Jermaine's just a polished receiver and he's been with this team for an extra year. He's been in the system as a starter last year. But Gilbert is going to play. He's going to play a lot. I don't ultimately know where we're going to end up using. I think it makes sense. X makes the most sense to me. But I think he's a guy that can play in the slot. You can do some different things with him. I know he doesn't want to play tight end, but you can, you can basically play him as like a tight end in certain situations where he's not necessarily playing in line and do some things with him. So I do expect him to do uh, some good things for us this year. I do expect him to make big-time plays, which is going to be a major matchup problem to go along with all the other guys that we have on offense. I just don't know if I expect him to start week one. Like, I, Isn't that a little, a little aggressive as an expectation? I don't know for- if I expect him to start, but he's a guy that even one catch could be a game-changing 
He's going to play. He's going to play. He's going to get on the field. He's one of those guys. You don't bring in Eric Gilbert like that as a transfer unless you are going to put him on the field and use the guy. If you do, then you're dumb. Like if you bring him over and you don't use him, you're dumb. There's something like you should lose your job. So I think he's going to be used. I don't exactly know how. I'm very anxious and curious to see how, but he's going to make an impact on this team. And regardless of what his ultimate production is like being from a talent perspective with his athleticism, the size, that combination, he's just a freaky guy. You don't see many guys like that. So again, from a talent, a ceiling perspective, Eric Gilbert comes in at number eight for us on our top 20 players list, even though he doesn't have quite that level of, pro- of proven production. All right, coming at number seven is Jamari Salyer, the only offensive lineman that made our list. Curtis, got a simple question for you here about Salyer. How important is Salyer to this year's Georgia team? I think he's extremely important. I wouldn't be shocked to see him change positions during the year, and I say that in the fact that mm-hmm. I think especially with how good Clemson's defensive line is, you might see him start at left tackle because I don't know if who, who, whoever it is the other option may be Mims or Broderick or Trust. anyone. Uh, Trust. The fact of the matter is I don't know if you want him to start them to start game one against Clemson. I don't. Totally I just, want Jamari Salyer at tackle against Clemson. And, and, and that's the thing. And I, so I think just like his versatility right there shows that how important he is. And the fact is that he's going to be a starter no matter where he is on the field. I think he's the most proved. I mean, I think I, it's clear, right? He's the most proved on the line that we have coming back the most consistent player on that on that offensive line. Right? I mean, yeah. 100%. He's, he's, he's the guy. I, I, I'm higher on Justin Schaefer than you are. I know you you kill Justin Schaefer a lot. I think Schaefer's a good player. Not an elite player, but a good player. But Jamari's the best player on the offensive line. I think he's got an NFL future. Of anyone on the team, oh, well, of the guys are going to start. Now, Amarius Mims might blow that out of the water if he is that guy from day one. We'll see. But I think he has an extraordinary high upside. But week one against Clemson, going against guys like Xavier Thomas, Miles Murphy on the edge, Jamari Sauer needs to play tackle. And I, I think long-term his best position is guard, and that's where he's probably going to play in the NFL. But we need him at tackle week one. I, I just don't feel comfortable. As high as their ceiling might end up being at left tackle week one, I, I'm not comfortable with that. So I'm with you. I think you might see position change as the year goes on. Um, but he's very important. Just the, His versatility allows us to kind of mix and match and get the best players on the field, get that right that right mix of players. Because we have all these talented players at on the offensive line, it's just a matter of finding the right fits. And his versatility and his ability to move inside or out allows us some vers- allows us some kind of maneuverability to get the best players on the field. So I think Jamari Sauer, best offensive lineman coming back on this team, versatility. Uh, I- I'm very high on him and his potential as an NFL player. I think he's going to be a really good player for us up front on this 2021 Georgia team. And the last player today, number six, just missing out on the top five, is outside linebacker, pass rusher extraordinaire, Adam Anderson. And this is another guy, Curtis, where you and I were pretty far apart on. I was much higher with my list uh, on, on Anderson than you were. I had him at number four on my personal list. You had him at number 13 on yours. So same question I asked you about Zamira White, Curtis. Why do you hate Adam Anderson? Well, I think the big thing, you know, we kind of talked about the difference in our rankings and I was looking at what he has done. And while I see everything that he is capable of doing, he just hasn't done it. And I, and similar to what we saw years ago, DeAndre Walker, I also am hesitant to put him that high till I see him do it against the run. Yeah, it, it's the same thing. Like you and I, I think we just went about our list differently. And, and I did that on purpose. I didn't want, I guys, for, for just kind of inside baseball information here, I just told Curtis, I said, hey, rank the top 20 players on Georgia's team this year, coming to the year. And that's all I said. I didn't give any more instructions than that. And we kind of just – I had my idea how I was going to rank him, and he did how he's going to rank him. So it just came out a little bit differently because Curtis, it seems pretty clear you did more based on, like, their production. I did it more on potential and, and talent, that kind of thing. And I will admit, again, this is very much a projection because you're right, Curtis. We have not seen Adam Anderson do it consistently. But what I would argue is that he has performed at an elite level when he has been given the opportunity. The problem is the opportunities just haven't been there for him because you had guys like Aziz Ojolari and Jermaine Johnson ahead of him. And he wasn't big enough to hold up against the run consistently, those kind of things. That's all true. But if you look at when he was on the field last year, among all returning pass rushers in college football, he is the leader in quarterback pressure percentage. 27.1% of the time he was on the field last year, he was putting pressure on the quarterback. Now, he was on the field as much as I would like to see him on the field, but he was making an impact and making it, making his presence felt every time he was on the field last year. 
Do you think he's going to be able to keep himself on the field more this year? Because that's the key. Well, really, it depends on his weight. Um, that's why it's you never know until you're there. It depends on his weight. And I also think it. De- I think it's really on the coaches also to find ways to use this guy, right? Like we always well, talk about how team, don't know how we're going to be defensively. Yeah. It has a lot to do with it too. We talk about offensive coaches all the time. Like, hey, you know, if you're an offensive coach, you can't fit a square peg in a round hole. You got to fit your system around your players. You, you hear that kind of thrown around with offensive coach. I think the same is about defensive coaches too. Like we, Kirby's had this scheme. Dan Lee has this scheme that we've run forever and that they've run at Bama forever. Although ours is a little bit different than what they do at Bama. But at some point, it's like, okay, well, we had this player, Adam Anderson, who is this freakish talent. And he might not be a perfect fit at outside linebacker for what we've done traditionally, but we need to fit our system around his talent and what this guy can do because he is a flat-out playmaker when he's out there in the field. The numbers say it. He's just – we've got to find ways – to neutralize what he doesn't do well. He's not a great run defender. I thought he did a better job as the season went on. You're right. He does need to make sure he stays a little bit heavier, and he's done a better job from what I've heard this offseason. He's never going to be a huge guy. It's just not his frame. But we've got to find ways to get him on the field and keep him on the field more consistently, whether that's playing at star in certain packages, kind of like what Lorenzo Carter did back in 2017, those kind of things. We've got to find ways to get him on the field and keep him on the field because he is too talented and far too disruptive to not have on the field. Like you talk about game changers. Adam Anderson's a game changer and he's got to be on the field. There were games last year. The guy played less than 10 snaps. That ain't going to cut it. He's too good. He's too good. So I, I think he's going to be a big time player for us this year. That is a projection, but for me, I, I would feel, I mean, if he was inside the top five, I'd be okay with that. But I think number six right now, I think uh, that's fair based off maybe the fact that he hasn't been like a full-time starter yet to this point in his career. All right, guys, that does it for stay here on the Glory UGA podcast. We made it through all these guys. We made it through numbers 6 through 15, and we will be back next week, and we will finish the drill with players 1 through 5. We'll make that final reveal. We'll have that discussion, but we'd also love to get your feedback and your thoughts on today's list on players 6 through 15, what we get right, what we get wrong, who was too high, who was too low, all of those things. We would love to get the discussion going on social media, on Instagram at Glory UGA Podcast, and on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA Podcast on Twitter. So make sure to follow us there. Share your thoughts. We'd love that interaction. And I will be back later on this week with the next edition of our Summer Scouting the Enemy series. So look forward to that. But thanks for listening, guys. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dog.